Hi, and welcome to the Trail to Austin, the place to get to meet the people of Austin and find out how they became the people of Austin. I'm your host, Bob Morris, and with me as always is Joel McCall. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I am staying socially distant, but emotionally present. There you go. So today we had the uh, pleasure of getting Joel got a hold of one of his friends uh, that is really interesting background, and it should be fun to talk with him. Uh, his name is Chris Gage, and welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks I for doing it. Socially distanced. <laughs> 40, <laughs> right. 40 days and 40 nights right now. Are we at 40 days? Yeah, I am. Wow. Seems awfully blitherful. Well, I, I know. know. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have noticed this. You notice the weeks seem to go by really fast, but the weekends go by faster? I don't know the difference. Ah. I don't know the difference. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's just me. All right. Somebody so, today told me it's Blur's Day. Yeah. Blur's Day. Blur's Day. Now they've started a new thing in the morning when you wake up where they they have this little segment. They say, what day of the week is it? And then they put it on the screen in big letters. <laughs> thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> so, um, again, thanks. This for... is a big day for my family. This is, uh, this is the uh, second anniversary of my dad's passing. Oh, oh my. I, I yeah. remember when that happened. And Are I, you... we're, the whole family's got a zoom martini call cause he was a martini drinker. So, Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. Nice way he to celebrate. Re- yeah. He always referred to yard arm and, Yardarm got earlier and earlier as he right. got older. Yeah. Uh, Kathy's father used uh, lived with us till he passed, and he had a clock that was nothing but fives. Oh, and, <laughs> good. Yeah. So <laughs> it's five o'clock all the time. Yeah. Yep. So, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? You've you've done some interesting things. Well, I grew up in the the middle of South Dakota, which is actually the middle of North America, dead center. And uh, Pierce, South Dakota is my hometown. And uh, we, we had one TV channel, and it had Glenn Campbell on it. And so I learned to play guitar from Glenn Campbell. And I uh, learned to play the piano from watching people on Lawrence Welk and uh, you know, went through high school as a musician and choir and band and uh, went to the University of Minnesota for a couple of years. Uh, and even in high school, I had a band that would play the 3-2 the beer joint every weekend. Uh, went to college, met a bunch of people, didn't, didn't last because I wanted to play in a band so bad. So uh, in 1974, I started a band, kind of a kind of a country swing band uh, called the Red Willow Band. And uh, up until real recently, we were still packing shows in South Dakota. We did our 40th reunion, and uh, unfortunately, we lost our drummer just last year. So that, that band is no more, but we had a had a really good run. Still have lots of fans. We nice. were kind of the darlings of South Dakota Public TV. They, everything we did, they would film. And at, at one point, they uh, they had us do a reunion concert, and they filmed the whole thing, and then they aired, they put out a DVD with the same five guys, concerts 30 years apart. Nice. Oh, cool. 
yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, Joel told me something about you were in the South Dakota Music Hall of Fame. Well, I was supposed to be, but it got canceled for the coronavirus. Oh man! That's well, you're still so, in the hall. You just didn't. I don't. Play. I don't. I don't know if it's official or not. But but yeah, they gave me a lifetime achievement award. Nice. And the the, the band was already in uh, in the South Dakota Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So nice. There's actually a lot of music up there. You you'd be surprised. It's and South Dakota kind of stays within itself. They don't cross the borders very much not many of us leave <laughs> so well, there's that, a lot of great bands in Sioux Falls and Rapid City well it looks like How about you know, Yankton got, where Yankton what about yeah. Yankton okay uh, well my uh, <clears throat> well I, I uh, it's a whole other conversation I found my birth family this this past summer and my father lived in Yankton. Really? Had, had a bar in Yankton. You didn't know your birth family till just now? Till last July, yeah. I, I didn't know that. I, like I said, it's, it's another conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have, but, so I have South Dakota roots. Well, this is interesting. Yankton is very close to Vermilion, where the University of South Dakota is. And they have a, there was a guy there named Arnie B. Larson, an old Norwegian guy who started collecting fiddles and accordions and sheet music. And a, a friend of mine went over to his house one day and literally had a, had a wood burning stove with Stradivarius's, Stradivarius's lined up around it to stay warm. And so oh, somebody my. finally, somebody finally said, these have to be in a museum. And, uh, USD now has a world class musical instrument museum. I mean, they have, they have pianos that climb the wall that came from Belgium and they have Russian clavichords and uh, all this stuff. That wow. Work. And you, you, you can put on headphones and walk around and hear the instrument you're standing in front of. Like they have, uh, you know, Jimmy Hendrix's guitar and this. Arnie, Arnie's got it started. Arnie's long gone, but yeah, it, and they're remodeling it right now, so it's going to be even better. But it's I, I forget what they call it. It's the Musical Instrument Museum in cool at the University of South Dakota. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I, so I stayed there for a long time and played in that band, and we, you know, we traveled the country and and uh, had a had a whole lot of fun. Drank a bunch of Budweiser and rode in about six different kinds of vehicles and. Uh, until we just couldn't do it anymore, weren't making any money, and uh, I, my the fiddle player in that band, heard about a cold call for fiddle players that were going to join Roy Clark's band and play on Hee Haw. And uh, Kenny, there was about thirty people that sent in cassette tapes at the time, and my friend Kenny Putnam uh, was the only one. The holidays were approaching, and he was the only one. We found out later all the all the fiddle players were good, but he was the only one that had mentioned Merry Christmas in his in his audition tape. Nice. And really, when you get to a certain level, a friend of mine put it this way: "It's not how well you play; it's it's uh, how well you eat your milk and cookies with the other band members." You know, right? And they wanted a, they wanted a bus full of people that they enjoyed. And a couple of years into his gig the piano player that they had just got mad and walked out and 
Kenny just walked into the door and said, I got a guy and got me the job. And so I quit what I was doing and moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma and played with Roy Clark for eight years. I was going to ask you about that because I saw that on your uh, bio, you know, about living in Tulsa and playing with Roy Clark. That had to be an interesting experience. It was. And, and we really traveled. We, we were on the road 260 days a year traveling by bus and airplane. And, uh, we were in the Soviet Union for two weeks and flew to Bulgaria on the Black Sea for one show and things like that. Interesting. A lot of time in Vegas, Vegas, Tahoe, and Reno. We spent probably eight weeks a year in casinos. But it was a really fun gig. Big band, 10-piece band. Learned a lot. There was a, I mean, it's one of the things that I I remember growing up was watching uh, Roy Clark on Hee Haw every week. And I think that kind of gave him a, you know, kind of different reputation. But from what I understood, he was a very, very accomplished guitarist and banjo player. Uh, one of the best guitar players that ever lived. That's he was what okay heard. on the banjo and the fiddle. But, uh, but honest to God, he would... He would blow me away every night, fast and clean. Uh, Joel, you would have just loved this guy. And he, he would just stand around backstage, just. You know, I, I, I watch his, a bunch of clips of him on YouTube, particularly when he passed away. There was just, just a yeah. whole bunch of them. And he has got the fastest right hand of anybody I've ever oh, yeah. seen. Oh, yeah. I can't, oh, do, I can't do it. I can't do it. I've tried to learn. He does a version of Tico Tico. You remember that? But he would do it really fast. And then he would play a little bongo drum solo on the string. He did amazing stuff and funny. He seemed like a really personable guy. Yeah. Yeah. He had he had both sides, but yeah, he sure could be. He could be. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of a lot of that was for the audience, not necessarily us. But but he had his he had his moments. Okay, so I have to ask you about Gaylord Sartain, because uh, uh, you know I grew up in Bartlesville, and he had a show in Tulsa at midnight on Saturday that lasted for a year and a half. Uh, Doctor Mazeppa Papazoy's camp meeting and film festival. Did you spend any time with him uh, in your hee-haw days? With Gaylord? Yeah. Uh, is that Gaylord Sartain? Yeah. Yeah, I brought quite a bit of time. Yeah. He uh, he was a local hero of my high school class. Yeah, wasn't he kind of a, 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 a was it a radio celebrity or a TV or? It was a late night TV, almost like a pirate TV show. Uh, uh-huh. Gary Boosie was on it. Uh, oh it was, wow! It was wacky. It was it was the stuff television history is made of, and nobody has seen it. <laughs> you know, and I I think he had a lot to do with some of the content on Hee Haw because he was he was always down there and he was helping write and appear yeah. several times. Yeah. Yeah, so, cool guy. So, um, how did you make your way from Tulsa to here in Austin? 
Well, uh, after eight years, uh, Roy was trying to decide what to do to cut expenses. And he decided he had his own theater in Branson, Missouri. He was one of the first ones to, to start a, a country music theater. And we wouldn't spend much time there. We would, about every three months, we'd go play. But he decided he was going to start doing that more and get the band little townhouses in Branson, Missouri. And I lived in Tulsa with my wife and kids at the time. And, and I didn't want an apartment in Branson, Missouri for, for anything. So <laughs> I decided, you know, and as a, as a musician and a studio musician, you it's New York or it's Nashville or it's Austin or LA. That's kind of the choices for me. I actually went to Austin uh, and really couldn't, make my way at first it was hard to meet anybody and and you know a handful of 40 dollar gigs and i thought well this isn't quite working so i actually drove to nashville twice and auditioned for big bands to for some reason i thought i needed to get back on the bus and make some money and, uh thank god they turned me down both times mm-hmm. and uh, i stayed in austin and uh shortly after that a friend of mine actually from Nashville called me and said, Jimmy Dale Gilmore is looking for a guitar player. Why don't you have lunch with him? Nice. And, uh, and, uh, so the next thing I know I'm at lunch with Joe Ely and Jimmy Dale Gilmore and their manager, Mike Crowley. And I got the job without playing a note. They, they enjoyed having lunch. It's like, again, milk and cookies. Milk and you know? cookies. Yep. Yeah. They, they enjoyed having lunch and I handed Jimmy a tape that had one of his favorite songs on it and that sealed, sealed the deal. So, so I was, I'm still playing with Jimmy. We played just the other night. But, uh, the next thing we did was go out and tour behind his big record spinning around the sun. So I gave up my notion of thinking I needed to go to Nashville. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. And all of us in Austin are glad. Yeah. Good. And working yeah. with somebody I couldn't, on that level, that's probably more than you could have asked for with anybody you got in Austin. I mean, in Nashville. Sorry. Yeah, and it was much more personal. You know, Austin acts are, they're not going for the big, crazy production and the, you know, the dance moves. And the, he was, we were just playing music. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, ven- the venues were a lot of the big, like the big, like the Antones in every town. You know, the, the, the big, the big concert bar basically is, is where we were playing. And That's it was just a, a whole lot of fun. Started with a big bus full of musicians and then, uh, slowly peeled them off and sent them home. And, uh, at the end, it was just a sound man driving a town car with me and Jimmy <laughs> going around the country playing, playing shows. Nice. So how did you yeah. get involved with the, uh, Don's Depot thing? Uh, a friend of mine, when I first moved to town, a friend of mine said, well, you got to go meet Don. You're a piano player. He's a piano player. You got to go meet Don. And uh, I met Don, went and heard somebody, and and uh, we were just chatting, and I told him what I'd been doing. You know, I'd, I'd just come off of the Grand Ole Opry in Hee Haw, and, and he said, well, you need to play here. And I said, okay. And that was almost 30 years ago. Yeah, so you normally I've, I've play on every Mon- Monday night? Every Monday. I've 
I've done every Monday that I'm in town for 25 years. Nice. Yeah, this year. And so with the recent things going on, I I know you guys have changed it up a little bit. Do you want to talk about that a little and, and what you're doing that is actually helping benefit some of the people there? Yeah, we really only missed one Monday while we were figuring out the whole technology thing. Uh, but the second Monday after the shutdown, we started broadcasting Monday night here. And it just turn, turns out that we moved our recording studio home uh, last fall. Joel's been to the other studios about a mile from here. And uh, we were we were losing that rental property. Our, some friends of ours want to flip it and make some money, and rightfully so. And so we remodeled the house here. And uh, put the whole studio in here, and we carved out room for a grand piano and B3 and, you know, all of my stuff. And so little did we know that we were getting all set up to do pandemic broadcasts, you know, which we've done every Monday for the last five weeks. And we got a, we got a dolly on wheels for the iPad, and Christine loves being my cameraman, and then she'll come sing a few songs and uh, and we encourage donations. It helps us, but we also, there's three main bartenders that work uh, Monday nights at Don's Depot, and they're not able to make any money right now. Uh, so the donations have been so good that we've been able to, this is the fifth week in a row, we've been able to give them a pretty decent Monday night paycheck. Nice. And That's we're wonderful. starting to, yeah. And, and these are the girls, you've met them, Joel. These are the girls yeah. that will not, will not take a tip from a friend. They, they won't yeah. do it. So it's killing them to take a couple hundred dollars from us. It's just killing them. But they need it. Yeah. And So is and, there uh, a, a Venmo account or a PayPal account that if somebody's listening to this, they want to uh, help uh, contribute that uh, oh, ab- they can go ab- to? Ab- absolutely. And, and we share all the love. Uh, PayPal is mail m-a-i-l at chrisgage.biz b-i-z uh venmo is at chris hyphen gauge hyphen 10 hyphen what 10 one zero 10 okay yeah chris chris gauge 10 with with hyphens got it and it's amazing we 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 shut down the camera and we our phone's been exploding with, with donations and we immediately get to just slap some of that out to those, those people we work with. And it feels so good. That's the best part of it. Oh, yeah. uh, being able to, being able to be the vehicle, you know, sure. And we're trying to keep it interesting. I, I figured out how to have special guests appear on an iPad last <laughs> week. And, so how do you do that? Do you have, do you bring like a multiple person effect? No, uh, they send me a video, ah. which I, I, I kind of process, and then I, I get to practice with the video so that I, I know exactly what they're doing when. Like yeah. last week, my fiddle player and I actually, he set me up with a couple of punch lines, and, and I knew the joke so that it looked like we were together. <laughs> awesome. But, he, but yeah, yeah it, it was really funny. Uh, so then there's just an iPad on top of the grand piano and we hit play and then I play along that, that kind of nice. thing 
you can get pretty creative these days. And we watch well, all the great talk show guys and learn from them. I think it's going to launch a whole new direction of entertainment in this whole yeah. thing. You know, I think so too. I was watching yeah. one of those um, those fundraiser shows the other night, and I guess Keith Urban was on there. And he actually wound up playing a song with him, two other versions of himself. On I saw part. that. That was kind yeah. of interesting. It was like, wow, huh? It was it was a little creepy, but it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, he kept looking at himself. Yeah, yeah. Like he was. But he, it wasn't even a split. It wasn't even a split screen. It's like they were all there together. I have yeah. no yeah. idea how they did. Of course, he's got a little bigger budget than we do. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's just interesting to see the creative way people can do different things. So, so, um, and, and that's great what you guys are doing. I'm glad that's working out and, and it's helping benefit other people as well because there's a lot of people in this town that, uh, you know, they're having a hard time trying to find a way to make a, jo- a living right now with uh, everything the way it is. And so yeah. the people that can... You know, it's it's great when they can involve other people as well. That's that's a wonderful thing. One of our other big pushes is uh, my wife Christine Albert uh, has a nonprofit called Swan Songs, mm-hmm. SwanSongs dot org, and uh, we provide musical last wishes for people who are in the last time of their life, people on hospice and unfortunately nursing homes. So. Uh, We've kind of been shut out of the nursing home. So I've, I've spent the last 10 days creating virtual concerts that are on the Swan Songs website. So, uh, Betty Sue and, uh, Lori Singer, they'll do, do this. They'll film themselves doing a 20 minute concert. And I'll clean it up here and put some titles on it. And they're all on the, on the Swan Songs website under virtual concerts. So that if, Somebody can get a tablet into their loved one, you know, somehow. They got a chance to see what we do. And uh, we're encouraging the musicians to just act like you're in the room with them and talk to them. And it's, you're right, Joel. It's a whole new thing. Yeah. And I think it could could stick around. Well, I don't think it's going to go away. Talk a little bit about your dear wife, Christine. She is such a wonderful, giving person. I've, I've known her since 1981. Yeah. Uh, when she came with then Lisa Gilkinson, <laughs> yeah. before she was Eliza, singing back up and, and played at a bar that my partner and I were running. Uh, she and you have put together, you're like the first family of music in Austin. And uh, it's just a, a wonderful thing. Her accomplishments with Swan Songs, uh, her involvement with the Grammy yep. has been very impressive. Uh, and Albert and Gage is just a wonderful duo with, with many incredible recordings. Talk a little bit about how that developed and how that started. Well, thanks. Yeah, Christine Albert, she had several albums out before I ever met her, uh, including the first Texas of France, which she mm-hmm. sings in French uh, and English and calls it Texas of France. Uh, when we met, she just hired me out of the union directory to come play a gig. She'd seen me play with Jimmy Dale. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
then something happened. Oh, something, my, I forget, the personal trouble. Let's call it that. And uh, I had to stay off the road for a while with Jimmy. And Christina said, can you play with me more? And I, I said, well, not really. I'm touring. But then my tour went south for personal reasons. And uh, I called her up and said, I can do three months if you're interested. And that was 26 years ago. <laughs> and she just a one, she's the perfect uh, partner for me. She plays rhythm guitar and sings beautifully and sings harmony. And I play lead guitar and piano and sing harmony. And so it's, it was just real easy. Uh, and we love doing it. We don't, we ended up doing a lot of our own things. She had her own Monday night show, Mystery Monday at El Mercado, which oddly mm-hmm. enough ended right when this whole thing started. Right. Somebody, actually Peter Blackstock called her decision to quit that gig Nostradamic. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, so she just, she just knew she, she closed down Mystery Monday and then the, the bar closed the next day, you know, it's very strange. But yeah, she is a giver and she's, uh, she got involved with the local chapter of the recording academy and ran for governor and then, and then ended up to the national level as a trustee and then a vice chair and the chairman of the board. She's only the second female chairman of the uh, recording academy board in 60 years. And now she's still very active. She's chair emeritus. So she's one of the top four officers on the recording academy. And her, her, one of her main passions was uh, an organization called Musicares, which is part of the Grammy. And what they do is that any musician, don't even have to be a, a, a Recording Academy member, you certainly don't have to have a Grammy, but any musician that gets in trouble uh, with a physical ailment or actually, they, I think they've sent out $4 million after this whole Corona thing started. Uh, they will help you out. They won't just hand you money, but they'll they'll pay your rent. They'll make your car payment. They did it for me when my back uh, got trashed about 20 years ago. And uh, that's one of the main reasons she stays involved. And actually, she's doing a French concert Friday night, and uh, all the proceeds are going to go to Music Cares. So yes, she's very involved with that and Swan Song. So... There's days when she she's doing six hour Zoom yeah. meetings. So there'll be another Albert and Gage uh, CD in the works sometime with all this. Uh, yeah, we're we're sure gonna try. Yeah. Now that now that we're we're stuck stuck at home with a recording studio. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I wondered about that when when artists are stuck at home, are they more productive? write more actually we we we've been uh, the swan songs video project has kind of consumed us plus they're trying to hire a new ceo for the grammys and uh, so we've been busy with a lot of computer projects and haven't haven't been able to stop and make music yet but uh, it, it's coming okay and so it, while i was saying you're listening to you i was i was thinking to myself I have a philosophical question for both of you. Um, what do you think when this town reopens, what, what do you think the live music venues are going to look like? I mean, what, um, how many are left? 
How are they going to yeah. open? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know how Don is doing at Don's Depot. I know he's been watching our broadcasts and really missing all of us. I don't know how much his rent is. I don't. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep it going or not. You know. Uh, Austin does have a lot of outdoor venues that could probably open up with distancing. I think, you know, Stubbs and Seniors buddies out on the uh, west side of town. I don't know what the what the bars are going to be like. Like the Continental Club, you pack yourself in there. That's yeah. the only way to do it. I don't know. What do you think, Joel? Well, I don't think live music is going to go away because there, there's no substitute for listening to somebody play. Now, having said that, uh, it, it's hard not to think of an on-off switch. You know, poof, yeah. let's turn everything on and you can everybody can get together again. It's going to be more of a dial than an off-on switch. Yeah, that's way so, off, the off-on. Yeah. Uh, and I think bars are going to be the last thing to come back. Yeah. Well, they are. Uh, you know, I, I'm connected with New World Deli. And yep. uh, fortunately, he's been able to maintain his business because he's, he has a very loyal food following. Uh, he's been able to keep retain all of his staff. They're but doing he said he misses the music. There's there's kind of two categories of venues. You've got venues that are restaurants that have music, and then you have music venues. And I think the music venues are more at risk than, you know, say your other restaurant slash deli slash uh, eateries because they've got something else to fall back on. I don't know when people are going to be able to sit at tables together. Yeah. yeah. Like Don's, Don's supposed to sell booze, free popcorn and music. That's it. You know, there's, there's no food mm-hmm. to be had. Right. Right. No, the reason I was asking mm-hmm. that was I, you know, if you'd asked me three weeks ago, I, w- I was more like what you were thinking, Joel, the on off switch. You just turn it back on and everybody comes back. But the longer this, eats away at it and stuff like that, you start realizing, oh, this is not coming back overnight. Yeah. Yeah. So. So one of the things, you know, we were talking about what it's going to look like after this pandemic with, because we've been so creative with being able to get our out out there. I know that at the deli, uh, there have been a lot of, the Delhi artists have been doing online concerts. There's going to be, uh, we're, we're going to install cameras and do all of the shows live from the Delhi. We'll also be streamed. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so maybe you can socially distance yourself <laughs> in, in the room itself and still stream it through, you know, to the world. But, I again, I think this whole pandemic is going to change everything. All yeah. right. Well, let's uh, yeah. let's move away from the 
this topic and we'll go to something a little more fun. So, uh, no more doom and, no more doom and gloom. No, I, and I, I try not to do that, but I was really curious to get your guys' opinions on, on that because it's something I've been thinking about more lately when, you know, at first you just kind of think like, ah, oh, it's a four week vacation. We all go back, you know, and now it, you're starting to see it the way it's eating away at the foundations of a lot of stuff. And it's like, okay, so how does this rebuild? You know, but you know, our, our bread and butter as, as, we're considered in the folk world and our, our bread and butter is the pie and coffee shows around Texas. It's, it's the, the Friday night at the church, you know, uncle Calvin's and the open door, uh, Waldo's in Waco. Uh, we've, we've got a circuit of these that we do every year. And, and I think those church based concert series could figure it out. You know, I think they can have distancing and people are, Mm-hmm. Uh, very enlightened that the the audience is very enlightened at those places a uh, totally different thing than a bunch of kids crowding into the continental club you know so yeah. i think i think that'll come back long before a bar gig will and there's so some saying, good ones right in town too mm-hmm. so you're saying us old folkies are going to to continue on and it's, it's okay <laughs> it's gonna be okay no, there's so- one in austin called the austin an acoustical society, which mm-hmm. is really good. I and mean, they get a big job, but if they did it right, I think they could reconvene, you know, not now, but soon. Right. So like Open. I said, we'll, we'll have some fun now. Um, you alluded to it a little bit, but tell us about what your first thoughts were when you came to Austin. I mean, you said it was a little rough at first, but. Especially coming from Tulsa. Yeah. You would know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I came in as kind of a spoiled musician. I'd, I'd been on salary and riding buses and, you know, backstage deli trays. And, uh, I, I saw how the guys in town were making a living sloshing out country, country gigs. And, and, uh, for, for a while, I just pulled up my cowboy boots and, and took, answered phone calls. They needed, they need a piano player. And I, I did that for a long time. That's how I got to know everybody, you know. Uh, but I was a little worried about making my way. And I, I hadn't learned yet that to be a musician in Austin, I, I have people tell me, you, you can't make money as a musician in Austin. And that's false. You can, but, but you have to wear, you have to have five different hats on. So I, I play clubs. I got the folk duo with Christine. I've got a great church gig every Sunday morning uh, at Riverbend Church. Puts money, direct deposit every week. Uh, I run the studio. Uh, gets people in and out of here. And I, I produce other acts. And I also get plenty of calls to go to outside studios and uh, put parts on things. And lately that's happening more virtually. They'll send me a track and uh, I've got all my instruments here so I can send back a dobro or I can send back a piano track. Nice. But that's the whole idea to make it work. I mean, you, a lot of guys teach, you know, Joel, some, some guys end up booking a club, you know, there's, you, you, you can't, 
I don't think you can just be a singer songwriter and make a living without touring. But uh, for a guy like me who really wants to stay in town, you have to you have to think outside of just a one bag thing. You know, and that, that's what I've learned. Yeah, and it for me it meant learning to read music again and and getting that church gig and and uh, learning learning how to play bluegrass so that you can go play with the Thursday guys at uh, Grassy Thursday at St. Elmo Brewing Company, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I got to dig in and practice a little bit and learn something new. And I'm 65. That's not easy. <laughs> that's awesome. So, so uh, what's going on at your, at Moon House? What's going on at the studio? Do you have projects going? Or are you open? Or I'm doing some. Coming in and recording? No, 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 no. No, we haven't had anybody in the house in 40 days. Uh, we're, I'm out some overdubs. Uh, actually, most of the stuff has been kind of video lately. A friend of mine on the East Coast does an open mic virtually every Wednesday. And so, oh, is that Carl? This week he had me, he sent me a track and then Carl Wern. And I, I, yeah. I played the accordion on his song with four musicians on one screen and debuted it at his open mic. So there's a lot of that going on, which is a lot of freebie work, but, but it's really, it's really so satisfying. Uh, and then our main push with the studio has been getting these broadcasts up and uh, getting the Swan Songs videos up. And Christine and I have done a couple Swan Songs concerts that have gone straight to the, you know, they'll, They'll send it to their daughter who has a laptop, and then we're speaking right to that person. We know who it is. Uh, we've done quite a few of those. Nice. The studio has cool. basically been transformed into a video studio lately. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Do you have aspirations of getting clients and re doing CDs again? Yeah, I'm hoping. Actually, it's interesting. Uh, there's a songwriter named John Imms. He's a hit yeah. country songwriter. Yeah. And uh, before the end of the year, he uh, chose me to make his next record. And uh, he wanted to he wanted to write it off last year, so he paid me. And then this all started. So I'm blasting I'm blasting through his album money, and he can't even come into the studio yet. <laughs> so I so I owe him a record somehow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. We might have to do it long distance, you know. He might have to send me some track to a click track and uh then I get a bass player to send a track. I might be yeah. producing long distance a little more. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, definitely. So um you lived here since was it the early eighties? No, ninety one for me. Oh ninety one. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. um what are what are some of the things you like uh to go do while you're hanging out here in town since you don't leave that much? I mean your favorite places, stuff like that, things you like to do. We haven't gotten out and done much. Uh we have grandkids down in down in Kyle, so we try to get down there whenever we can. And I've got a son that lives about half a mile from here, and he loves to cook, so we spend a lot of time together. Uh, 
before everything shut down, we went and saw Shiny Ribs at the Paramount, which is which was a lot of fun. You know, yeah. we love to get out and hear music. We don't do it a lot, uh, but we we're foodies. We love restaurants. That's the main thing I miss about all this is mm-hmm. going to a nice mm-hmm. restaurant and getting waited on and pampered and bring me a martini. Come on. <laughs> so what were, what were some of your favorite go-to restaurants here that you like a lot? You know, it's funny. My son managed Lambert's for a long time. So we, we spent a lot of time down there. Actually, one of the best Mexican restaurants in town is just two blocks away, which is called Casa Maria's. Nice. Uh, yeah, we love uh, Austin Land and Cattle. We've got good friends that are working down there. Actually, one of the Monday bartenders comes comes to Don's Depot straight from Austin Land and Cattle, where he's been serving. Hmm. We like to do the the local the local restaurants, you know, right. Magnolia and Kirby Lake, Kirby Lane, and uh, that's usually our go to. Yeah, I think that. Especially for people that have been here since the 90s, I think pretty much everybody, Magnolia and Kirby Lane are on their list of something they yeah. frequent. I guess it's sad. We we lost uh, Magnolia West, yeah. and we just lost Threadgill North, too. Well, yeah. Joel knows this. When I first moved to Austin, uh, we lived on Deep Eddy, uh, some college friends of mine and I, and so... Every Sunday morning was uh, grabbing the newspaper and walking down to uh, Magnolia there on Lake Austin Boulevard, hungover most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That, that was kind of personally hurt when that one uh, shut down. Yeah. I really hope something can happen that, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe some very wealthy people come in and help me out. I don't know. That's, that's kind of what we need. We need to spread that 1% out a little bit, I think. Yeah. I agree. Some of these institutions. So, I agree. Um, Meanwhile, we'll do what we can on the, on the ground. Yeah. No, one of the, uh, one of the other things we do is because uh, Austin's uh, motto is keep Austin weird. What's uh, what's the weirdest thing you've seen in Austin? I live four houses away from the Cathedral of Junk. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? No, you know, know this place? <laughs> I I walk past it every day when I walk the dog. And in fact, my dog gets because the Cathedral of Junk has two dogs in the backyard, and they're ready to go. So. <laughs> That's, that's my daily event. And if people don't know about the Cathedral of Junk, it's on Lorena Drive, which is where I live. And this guy started with a bicycle frame and just kept going. And it's a three-story double tower in the backyard with ways to – you can find it online and see pictures. There's, there's ways of – there's a ladder inside the structure – with little places to stop on the way up. You can stop and sit in the Volkswagen uh, back seat for a little while and then head up and uh, there's a whole section of, of uh, typewriters and a whole section of uh, golf clubs. And that's a guy named Vince. And you think that's weird? I think it's good weird. <laughs> well, for anyone who hasn't seen it, there 
yeah, you can definitely look it up online and uh, you'll know what yeah. he's talking about as soon as you do. Yeah. And unfortunately, he's got a sign out front that said, no appointments until this is over. So, yeah. So, and. But you can, you yeah. can see it from the street. Yeah. So. Hell, you can see it from space. <laughs> <laughs> so, kind of our last question we always ask everybody is, uh, if if somebody was planning on moving to Austin, what advice would you give them? Uh, make make sure you can stand the heat. Visit in the summer before you come. Don't visit just for South by. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a good. There's one. a big there's a big difference between South by and August. Definitely. And I've, I've had people, like we had a friend move here from Santa Fe, and she did it a couple of years and went, oh, no, I'm going back <laughs> to Santa Fe. So um, in just a second, Chris, I'll get you to plug all your stuff. I wanted to ask Joel a question now. Um, I know you guys had that charity fundraiser on Sunday for the deli. How did you guys do? Well, we had probably... 50 people show up, but we raised a few hundred dollars. Okay. That went straight to uh, the staff at the deli. Was that on Facebook? Yeah, we did Facebook. We're we're trying to figure out, you know, on Facebook Live, you can do one person at a time. So we had four people, you know, do 30 minutes, and then you'd pass it off to the next guy. We all did it from the same platform. Uh. I'm doing one Sunday with Jan Sides and Scott Martin. That's going to be a Zoom concert. So we're going to, you know, send out to all of our peeps the meeting link and the password. And so we'll be a whole bunch of faces on the screen, but at least we'll be able to uh-huh. have a conversation. Well, it should be a little easier pass off from one artist to the next, right? Well, we can see each other and talk right. to each other. That's, that's what I mean. That's so, a nice thing. I've I've read. Christy knows more about this, but we're going to do a couple Zoom Swan Songs concerts. And somebody said there was a like an audio setting you have to go in, and it'll fix some of the latency. I'm not sure what that setting is, so you might want to look into that. Okay. Well, if you're not really playing with anybody you're just doing solo the latency shouldn't be right, an right. issue yeah it should, shouldn't matter so yeah. have you guys got any future events coming up Joel that uh, you know obviously it sounds like you have something there but maybe you do you have it firmed up yet or not stay tuned as things develop okay we'll do. <laughs> it's always changing and, right now we have that, that Sunday thing that'll be by invitation okay so now back to Chris Chris, what would you like to plug and and plug it all, man? I mean, you, your wife, your Monday night shows, whatever, whatever you got going. Well, for now, uh, every Monday at eight o'clock Central Time, uh, we're broadcasting from the studio on my Facebook page, Chris Gage Austin, and also AlbertNGage.com. That's easy. It's easy to find. Uh, all the donation links are there. And like we said, we're helping the bartenders and our musicians. Uh, I don't know when this airs, but this 
Friday, Christine is going live doing all French music at 8 o'clock Friday night. Uh, it benefits music airs. Uh, and other than that, we're just kind of sneaking off and on and doing doing things. I invite everybody to go to swansongs.org and help them out. Uh, they're trying to figure out what their mission is now because what we've done is we've sent professional musicians right into nursing homes and they sit right by a patient's bedside a lot of times and give them a 20, 25 minute concert of their favorite songs and take requests. And we have a trick. If, if they don't really have a request, we figure out what year they graduated from high school and then Google the hit songs of that time. Oh, and that nice. kind of wakes them up. Nice. That, that kind of wakes them up, you know, that, Oh, Case sera, sera. I then they start singing along. So we're trying to figure out how to get back into that safely, you know, and uh, nursing homes are so hot right now that it's, it's not happening. So we're, Swan Songs is really trying to figure out what to do. They could use advice. They could use volunteers. They could use money. Uh, but it's, it's a worthy cause. Okay. Well, Chris, I great. Yeah, I really appreciate you having time. Okay, yeah. English used to be my first language. I don't know what happened during this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we no, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with us and and let us know what's going on and and a little about your background. My pleasure. Uh, I actually got asked to go speak at a at an at an art college a couple of years ago and. I'd never done anything like that. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a public speaker. But I, but I came up with an hour's worth of my life experiences, you know. And, uh, it, it was it was a very demanding thing to do, but but uh, it it made me realize that that I have things to share, absolutely and stories to tell, and and things I can help people with. Yeah. No, and you you're doing a wonderful thing for you know, both those organizations with your Monday night shows and the swan songs. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, thanks. So, all right. And well, you're a hell of a cook. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, on that note, I'm even posted some cooking videos. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know. I've been watching your one handed cooking videos. That's pretty I know. funny. <laughs> well, see, I now you didn't plug up. that. You should have plugged that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks, everyone, and and we'll see you next Thank time you on the Trail to Austin. Bye-bye.